Welcome back once again to our course, Preparing for the Second Coming. I love the study of principles of application from the book of Revelation. I hope that you're feeling more and more confident. I hope you know that prophets saw these events. Um, none of it, nothing that happens in our lives is a surprise to God, whether it be wars or diseases or plagues or natural disasters. It never takes heaven by surprise. He has seen all of this. It's already happened. It's already happened. You and I are just playing it out um, day by day, week by week. So take confidence and have faith in the fact that these events were known and God planned ahead for each of them. And he will give us strength as we look to him. Uh, despite the chaos. Uh, in fact, President Hinckley, one of his favorite statements, he says, this is a time to be strong. It's a time to move forward without hesitation, knowing well the meaning, the breadth, and the importance of our mission. It's a time to do what is right, regardless of the consequences that might follow. It is a time to be found keeping the commandments. I love that, that encouragement that he offered. So today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 8, and uh, in chapter 8, verse 13, there's an interesting little phrase here that sometimes we overlook. It says, I beheld, heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, 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 unto the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels. Each of these woes represents one of the appearances of our Savior. There are three woes, but he will make at least three appearances uh, in connection with his second coming. In other words, when you hear the term second coming, remember there's not just one second coming. There's actually three or four. So he will appear at Adamandiaman during the time of, of battles and, and war. We're going to talk about that today in Revelation chapter 9. He'll make an appearance at Jerusalem following the final great war, which is the Battle of Armageddon. He'll also make an appearance to the world when everyone will see him. He will have a fourth appearance at the New Jerusalem. And again, there's some debate and discussion on if that'll happen before the millennium or during the millennium. We'll have to wait to see how that plays out. But today, I'd like to talk about that time of war and Adam and Diamond, the first woe. Elder McConkie said this, It's not improbable that these ancient prophets were seeing such things as men wearing or protected by strong armor, troops of cavalry, companies of tanks, flamethrowers, airplanes, airborne missiles, fire shells, drop bombs, even other weapons yet to be devised in an age of warfare. And perhaps John is seeing such things as the effect of poisonous gas or bacteriological warfare or atomic fallout. In other words, as, as we study Revelation 9 today, you're going to see through a, a, a semi-foggy lens what John saw. He saw our latter days. He saw wars and different implements of war. The trouble was he was very limited with his vocabulary. How do you describe things like stealth bombers 2,000 years ago? I did this at home once. I had my kids try to describe an iPhone uh, using language that is only available um, 2,000 years ago. And, oh, they struggle because it's made out of plastic. Oh, wait, there's no plastic. Well, you plug it in. Oop, time out. There's no plugs. Well, like you, you turn it on. Oh, wait, there's no turn on, turn off. <laughs> and they struggled and struggled. John had the same thing almost in reverse. He saw these inventions and tried his best to describe it. Let's see how well he did. So Revelation chapter 9, verse 7. The shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. On their heads were crowns like gold. Their faces were the faces of men. Oh, okay, John, what are you seeing? What are you seeing here? 
they're kind of shaped like locusts and their faces were, were kind of like the faces of men. Did you see people in gas masks? Did he see, uh, and I know people in gas masks don't look exactly like a locust, but maybe, maybe there's some carryover with those large, you know, the, the goggles that might look a little bit like a locust. Did he see maybe literally horses with gas masks on? We look back to World War II and that was a the thing. They invented these gas masks both for the troops, but also for their horses as well. Let's look at verse eight now. They had hair like the hair of women. Their teeth were as the teeth of lions. What is he seeing? Huge teeth. Uh, did he see some of our airplanes that have teeth painted on them? We use that quite a bit in World War II to show the ferocious uh, activities of our bombers and such. Did he see maybe female fighter pilots? Hair is the hair of women. Uh, contrail. Some people said maybe it's the contrails in the sky that are left behind by aircraft that looks kind of like a woman's hair. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he saw, but maybe that's what he's seeing. Let's try the next verse, verse 9. They had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings were as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. What is he seeing? So breastplates made out of iron, and it sounds like a, a bunch of horses running to battle. Did he see helicopters maybe? possibly. Uh, another thought that's been kicked around a little bit is the idea of a drone warfare. Back to the locusts where drones, they kind of make the same sound as the locusts flying throughout the skies. One more, verse 10. They had tails like unto scorpions. There was sting in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. He sees this thing that looks kind of like a scorpion with maybe a tail coming above its head and there's some kind of a stinger that comes out of it. Did he maybe see a tank? And you're like, Richards, a, a tank does not look like a scorpion. I know, I know. Give John a break. <laughs> He's trying to describe modern-day implements of war using language from 2,000 years ago. And I think he did a pretty good job. He described these implements that were very powerful and loud and destructive in, I think, a pretty, pretty good way. Now, during this time of war, we have an event called Adam on Diamond, okay? Our doctrine um, is that we will have a gathering before Jesus appears to the world. Now, Adam on Adam, what does it mean? Well, it's carried over from the pure Adamic language. As far as we can tell, it means the place or land of God where Adam dwelt. Anciently, that's what it was. After Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit, they were kicked out of of Eden, and they dwelt at this place called Adam on Diamon. And we learn about this in section 107, verses 53 to 57, about Adam and, and his dwelling there. Some of you have been there before. It's a beautiful valley in Missouri. Um, we, at one point, had a temple planned for there. Um, there were 1,500 Latter-day Saints living there, but then we had an extermination order issued by Governor Boggs, and so no temple was able to be built there. Uh, is the idea that uh, Adam dwelt there anciently, is that just LDS doctrine? No, not at all. Daniel chapter 7, uh, verses 9 through 14, uh, talk about him dwelling there and giving a, a blessing to his posterity. So we're not the only ones that believe this. This is a, a, a completely biblical, biblically-based uh, doctrine. In terms of what will happen there in the future, um, this, I think, is unique to Latter-day Saints. Elder McConkie summarized it very well in, in his Millennial Messiah book. He said, quote, before any of his appearances, so before any appearances that Jesus will make, 
Every prophet, apostle, president, or church officer, all who held keys, will stand before him who holds all the keys. They will be called upon to give an account of their stewardship and to report how and in what manner they have used their priesthood and their keys. We believe that there, there might be 144,000 people there at Adam and Diamond, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're there to give an accounting, giving priesthood keys back to, uh, to Adam himself. Um, President Joseph Healy Smith, he said, this will be one of the most momentous events of the earth. John Taylor said, it will adjust the affairs of the world. Orson Pratt said, without it, everything would be in confusion at the second coming of our Lord. Uh, Joseph Fielding Smith, he said that when this, happenings, the, when this happens, the world won't know about it. The members of the church at large will not know of it either. I don't know how you keep this a secret from you know, the internet or you know, different news reporters, but the world won't know of it. And many church members won't know of it. Could it have happened already? I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> what will happen there? Well, there'll be many meetings, um, some for you know, sacrament meeting. There'll be a leadership training, some for business, some for worship, some meetings just for the edification of everyone that's present. Um, saints will be prepared to live in a paradisical glory. That's from John Taylor. Um, Christ will be there at this meeting. He'll be sustained in his calling as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, can you imagine being the bishop and uh, doing that sustaining of his calling? Wow. All those in favor, please indicate. And I see a sea of hands going up. Any opposed? Of course, no one will. Th those group that oppose our church, they won't be there, right? <laughs> we also believe that the city of Enoch at some point during this time will also return. We'll greet them, fall upon their necks and kiss them. Um, that's Moses 7, 63 to 64. We'll have a blood sacrifice. The sons of Levi will offer one more final uh, sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, 35, 24, 2 and 3 is your reference there. Both men and women will be present, right? Both both genders. Um, the righteous will receive all the blessings of the temple, the fullness of the priesthood. It sounds like higher priesthood or, or more priesthood keys. And also the second comforter, Christ himself. That's from President Benson, a general conference address he gave. Wow, what a, what a time it's going to be. Now the highlight, according to section 27, verse 5, is that we're going to have the sacrament there. Can you imagine the sacrament at Adam and Diamond with all of these apostles and prophets and the Savior himself? Can you picture Jesus maybe being the voice of the sacrament prayer? Can you imagine being a deacon, just taking the sacrament from person to person? There's actually a guest list in section 27, verses 6 through 12, where it lists Adam and Enoch and Moses and Noah and on and on. Can you imagine passing the sacrament to these great men and women of God? How to prepare, and this is what I want to end with in terms of application. In that same section 27, the Lord reveals his passage on the whole armor of God. And you're familiar with this. It sounds like that's the dress code to be worthy to participate in Adam and Amen. Uh, there's four major body parts that the armor protects. The girt, our loins girt with truth. Um, the heart, um, breastplate of righteousness, right? Typifying our, our conduct. Um, the feet shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, feet uh, are symbolic of our, our goals or objectives in life. And then the helmet of salvation, protecting our heads, our thoughts. That's from Harold B. Lee, which I love. We also have that shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. I love this idea from President Ballard um, about this armor. He said this, 
I like to think of this spiritual armor not as a solid piece of metal molded to fit the body, but more like chain mail. Chain mail consists of dozens of tiny pieces of steel fastened together to allow the user greater flexibility without losing protection. He goes on to say, there's not one great and grand thing that we can do to arm ourselves spiritually. True spiritual power lies in numerous smaller acts woven together in a fabric of spiritual fortification that protects and shields from all evil. Brother and sister, I testify every act of goodness that you do is another little piece of chain mail in your armor of God. I'd like to give you an invitation to choose a piece of armor and polish it. If your thoughts aren't good and clean about yourself or about others, oh, I would invite you to clean those up. How is your righteousness? Are you making righteous decisions? How is your faith? Are you relying on the Savior in all aspects of your life? If not, I would invite you to pick up that shield of faith. The sword of the Spirit, right, is the Word of God. If you're not having daily scripture study, I would invite you to return to scripture. Chastity with the loins girt with truth. If you are having little lapses with your chastity in terms of what you're viewing or what you are doing, I would invite you to redouble your efforts. How are your feet? Are they taking you to good, wholesome places? Your goals, your objectives, are they righteous? Feet shod with the gospel of peace. I would invite you to consider your gospel activities and where you're going. Are you attending church? Are you trying to get to the temple? Are you going to good, wholesome places? Choose a piece of this armor and polish it. Now to finish, Sister Nelson, President Nelson's wife, said this. What if you learned that the Savior had already come to the earth, that he, as part of his second coming, had already met with some of his true followers and several marvelous large gatherings, gatherings about which the world knew nothing. If you found out the Savior was already on the earth, what would you desperately want to do today? And what would you be willing and ready to do tomorrow? This was at a BYU-Hawaii devotional, January 2016, and she scared me because I kept waiting for her to say, guess what? It's already happened, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> what does matter is this. We should live our lives as if Adam and Amen has already happened and that Jesus is close to his appearance to the world tomorrow. If we live with that mindset, we will make great choices. I invite you to do that and to consider the fact that he is returning soon in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.